Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, friends. World's Josh Norris here with another episode of the universe's top podcast, the Roto World Football Podcast. Again, a few important notes before we get started. One, we have a special event this Wednesday at 8 p.m. August 23rd. Roto Pat, Rich Rebar, and myself will be in studio along with Evan Silva via the miracle of Skype to for about two hours, honestly, maybe even three hours. We're going to be doing a live draft with eight draft guide readers, and it's going to be fun. You know, we'll have our own opinions of our own picks that we are creating of, of the teams we are creating at that time. And then also we will be giving analysis for all the other picks that are happening. The goal is kind of, you know, to see how we would handle a normal draft, see our thought process in drafting our own teams. Um, it'll be really, really fun. It'll be on the Facebook Live page that Roto World has. So, again, mark your calendars, August 23rd, 8 p.m. Eastern. Very, very rarely is Roto Pat and Rich Rebar in studio, and very rarely do we get Evan Silva on camera. So this is going to be a fun time. It'll be really, really enjoyable. Uh, also, the draft guide, as I mentioned, is available. Just go to rotoworld.com slash draft guide. Really, everything that you need to know for your upcoming draft is there, and it's just $20. Uh, I know that magazines are fun, that you can bring them to your office league, to your home league, to whatever, but they're old. I mean, just think of, here's an example, Sammy Watkins trade, right? All those draft guides are done with. They are in the past. They're history. All those magazines are ancient now. As of the day of that trade, Rich Rebar was in there exchanging, finagling with the rankings, and everything is up to date <laughs> immediately. So Finagling. I you love like, it. You like that word? Finagling. That's an Elon education for you. Anyways. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of stat projections referred to as being finagled. <laughs> but <laughs> Well, you have now. Uh, and finally, if you enjoy this podcast and my fun word choice, hit that subscribe button. Really appreciate it. You've made August our best month ever for the podcast, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, whatever platform you use. And if you really like it, you know, take 30 seconds, stop this, and leave us a review. It helps us out. All right. With all that said, once again, Evan Silva and I watched all 15 preseason games. We're recording this before Deshaun Kaiser continues his Hall of Fame career tonight. So if we missed over that, that is why. 
Um, Evan, I want to get started here because your guy, my guy, had probably the best performance of the weekend, and that is Rex Burkhead. We've heard all offseason this is likely Mike Gillisley's back backfield, that he got the big contract. But Evan, why are you optimistic about Rex Burkhead at such a low price that he is in drafts right now that to me he's almost a must-have in exiting any draft that I have in the near future? Because he's good at football and he plays in one of the best offense, if not the best offense in football. And in Saturday's second preseason game, Rex Burkhead was the feature back with the first team offense. And Mike Gillisley has generated the most hype to this point. But Mike Gillisley has been battling a hamstring injury since the spring. He's gotten in almost no reps with the Tom Brady group. He has an extensive history of hamstring problems. Uh, He was placed on injured reserve, missed the entire season in 2014 with the Dolphins with a torn hamstring. And Rex Burkhead at this point is the favorite to be the Patriots week one starter. Now that could change by the time that we're talking (laughs) next week. Right. But at, at this moment, Rex Burkhead eighth, ninth round pick, you know, just smashing the button, just, just adding him every time he is bigger than Mike Gillisley. He is more athletic than Mike Gillisley. He's a better pass blocker than Mike Gillisley. And he's a better receiving back than Mike Gillisley. I think that when Mike Gillisley is healthy, it's possible that he comes back and becomes a short yardage touchdown vulture. But I think Rex Burkhead is going to make himself difficult for the Patriots to pull off the field. He gives them several different dimensions that they do not have with Gillisley in the game. And you even mentioned eighth or ninth round. I mean, Evan, he's going like round 11, 12. So if you really want him on your team, which we both think you really should, then target him way earlier than that. Like, this isn't a problem. Obviously, as we know, the Patriots' backfield can change week to week. And, Evan, I think we're to the point where it doesn't matter how much Mike Gillisley is making because – Bill Belichick has shown in his past that it doesn't matter where you were drafted or how much money you were given. If someone is outplaying you or if you're sidelined by an injury, you're not afforded the position anymore. Someone, in terms of competition, can take it. And in terms of what this team wants to do, Evan, I, I think Rex Burkhead is the complete package with all that. But would you also be interested in Deion Lewis, who also looked quite good in this game? Yes, and Deion Lewis started and played with the ones in the first preseason game although Rex Burkhead in that preseason opener was treated as a starter. He was healthy, but he did not play, and that suggests that he was still with the Tom Brady group. So we're now through two preseason weeks, and Rex Burkhead has been with the Brady group in both of those weeks. We will see what happens in the regular season dress rehearsal. I mean, this backfield can be very explosive with Rex Burkhead and Deion Lewis as the the forefront components. And Deion Lewis goes later than any of these guys in drafts. And I absolutely think that he's someone worth adding to the end of your bench, someone who gives you upside and has looked really explosive uh, this preseason. I don't think he's as good of a receiver as Rex Burkhead, but he, he adds more explosiveness and big playability uh, between the tackles as a runner. I think that Deion Lewis doesn't get enough credit for how good of an interior runner he is. Okay, in the same game, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on this, but Deshaun Watson looked bad, and his stats were really padded by that long Dante Foreman catch and run. So as much as we were kind of on the hype train of, hey, if Deshaun Watson keeps this up, he will most likely be named the starter for week one, I think he took a huge step back 
in this contest, Evan. I would agree with that. And he, he completed three of, I think, 10 or 11 throws. And you mentioned the run after catch by Dante Foreman. Dante Foreman made that happen. Yeah. And the other big completion for Deshaun Watson was a catch and run by Bruce Ellington. And Bruce Ellington really made that happen. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Not a step forward, if anything, a step back. Let's talk about Bruce Ellington here for a second, because this is a, a player that the 49ers cut, even though they don't really have anything at the wide receiver position. It was reported he was going to sign with the Jets and then fail to physical there. And then he's barely been with the Texans. And Evan, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's like better than Braxton Miller right now. <laughs> I know you were saying that. I understand that. He's a really, really good athlete. He was a fourth-round pick in that 2014 loaded wide receiver class, had one of the best spark scores, a former basketball player. Uh, and he was a guy that we were really excited about last year. Yeah. But then he tore his hamstring, and he missed the entire season. And Jeremy Curley steps into that role that Bruce Ellington was ticketed for, and Jeremy Curley leads the 49ers in receiving. Right. You know, So our process was right. It's just that Bruce Ellington – couldn't stay healthy and by the way Josh today when the Texans went to practice guess who was not practicing Bruce Ellington but again yes and it, we, we, know, we know that he has talent but it has always been a matter of durability Man. with him yep. and, and and that's sad because obviously with Will Fuller out as well they need someone to get down the field and in that role and I thought you know Bruce Ellington could kind of be a a mashup of the two in terms of slot and down the field yeah. And by the way, you know, this was like this game took place about eight days after they signed him. He started the game yeah. and he went off. He made a bunch of plays with Tom Savage. I mean, Tom Savage was looking for him yeah. after after being with him for eight days. And then he made the big play with Deshaun Watson, too. So he did it with both quarterbacks in there. So that's more of a potential waiver pickup than anything else now. OK, let's go to a different game. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Terrence West looks like garbage this preseason, Evan. Like your boy Buck Allen is even outshining uh, Terrence West. Now, I'm not saying any of us, you know, went into drafts necessarily with Terrence West as a target player because we're all doing that with Danny Woodhead. But it's not like Danny Woodhead will get a 90% work share like some other backs in the league will. Um, And Terrence West most likely was in line for the most or second most in terms of market share for that backfield. Do you agree that he's looked absolutely atrocious in the preseason? Yeah, and he's very limited in comparison to these other backs. I mean, Buck Allen does not impress you as an interior runner by any means, but he is an excellent receiving back. Uh, We saw a glimpse of that in 2015 uh, when he had a bunch of big games down the stretch when everybody was hurt in Baltimore. He had a game where he had double-digit receptions actually. Um, so I just, I don't think the Ravens are going to run the ball this year. You know, they lost Alex Lewis. They lost Rick Wagner. Uh, their center position has become so dire that they had to actually re-sign Jeremy Zuta, who they had traded earlier in the offseason and uh, were on the verge of cutting. So their, their offensive line, like, it's going to be tough for them. And so I think that these receiving backs who can catch those short area passes like Danny Woodhead and Buck Allen, those guys can have roles. Woodhead obviously is going to have a huge role, uh, but Buck Allen may turn out to be a better option than Terrence West for the style of this offense. You know, If you believe that they are not going to be able to pound the ball with their current running backs, which are below average, and their offensive line, which is below average. Let's move on to Jay Cutler's debut with the Miami Dolphins. Evan, the biggest takeaway here, I think, is that the Dolphins are going to ask Jay Cutler to basically do exactly what they were planning on with Ryan Tannehill, which we have talked about in the past, but also how he singled out 
uh, Devontae Parker after this contest, calling him a faster version of Alshon Jeffrey. And if we can go back just a few years ago with Cutler and Jeffrey playing together, Alshon Jeffrey saw targets of 140-plus in, I believe, back-to-back seasons. And so to me, it doesn't matter if you agree with that comparison at all. If Jay Cutler, who we have known to lock onto receivers in the past, believes in Devontae Parker, then, Evan, I think it's in the realm of possibility, absolutely, that Devontae Parker leads this team in targets this season. Yeah, and if you look at the Dolphins' schedule in the first half of the season, they face a ton of great offenses uh, to the extent that they may not be able to run the ball as voluminously as they did last season. Uh, They play the Eagles and Vikings in the first two games. Uh, The Eagles look primed for a step forward offensively. The Vikings, I think, have one of the most underrated offenses in the league. That game will be indoors in Minnesota. Then they play the Buccaneers. We know about all the weapons that they have on, on offense. Then they play at the Chargers ton of weapons for the Chargers. They play at the Jets. The Jets aren't going to score a lot of points. That'll probably be a, a Jay Ajayi game, but certainly not imposing, uh, for, not an imposing matchup for Devontae Parker. Then they play the Saints and the Titans. Uh, both those games are at home. Those will be awesome matchups for the Dolphins uh, offense. And then they play at the Falcons. Uh, so they are going to have to score some points here in the first half of the season. You know, th- this is a very small sample size, but the way that Cutler talked after the game and the way that uh, he showed a willingness to throw the ball to Devontae Parker in tight quarters, in tight coverage, you know, that's very, very promising. Uh, and that's really what we were hoping to see. Uh, but where does this leave Jarvis Landry in our minds? Yeah, uh, kind of on the do not draft list, to be honest, because I still think that people have this idea that he's a target monster or a receptions monster. And if he doesn't have that, Evan, then I'm not sure exactly what we're hoping for out of Jarvis Landry. But it sounds to me the way you're speaking of Jay Cutler, that he might be in line for streaming potential as we go along. Like it probably, you know, and, and how often do you draft more than one quarterback if you do take one in the top 10 rounds? Very rarely, right? And so if you are going with a late round quarterback strategy, then Jay Cutler is certainly on some of our minds as, as a streaming option. I would prefer him in two quarterback leagues. He's just never been great in fantasy. But the way that the schedule sets up, I think he probably is going to have a couple big games in there. And it will be a matter of identifying when those games are going to come. And, you know, when is he when is Jay Cutler going to have his implosion games? Because those happen as well. You know, last year he had that great game. He played really well against the Vikings on Monday Night Football. Everybody wanted to use him the next week against the Buccaneers. And I mean, he had like a four interception game. You know, and that's very that, that that that's very very Cutler. Uh, with that said, he's been in this offense before. The Dolphins have a pretty good pass catcher core. I mean, they've got yeah. Julius Thomas at tight end, Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, and Jarvis Landry. Uh, I, I do like Jay Cutler as a two quarterback league pick. Roto Pat's guy, Julius Thomas. Uh, time to get sad here, Evan, uh, because it's time to talk about the Buffalo Bills and their treatment of Tyrod Taylor. It, You've tweeted about this a lot in the last few days. Like, this is all lining up for Tyrod to fail, and it's not out of the question. I mean, it would be a ridiculous trade for it to happen, but for them to trade Tyrod and just move on to Nathan Peterman because this offense is is completely kind of tanking. So Tyrod Taylor is a playmaking quarterback, and his strength as a passer is throwing the ball vertically. And they do not have a vertical threat on on the the entire roster. Yes. Right. I mean, Zay Jones, I suppose, could maybe become that. 
but Zay Jones was certainly not that in college. Right. And, um, you know, last year they had two of them. They had Sammy Watkins and Marquise Goodwin, and Sammy Watkins was hurt for a chunk of the year, and Marquise Goodwin is, you know, he, he's a very much a role player. But that offense was much more suited to the strengths of Tyrod Taylor than this current one is. And to me, it suggests that they want to become more of a, a true West Coast offense with Nathan Peterman at quarterback. And I think that Tyrod Taylor is going to enter the season with a short leash. I don't think that he is being being put in position to succeed. You know, I, I'm worried about this entire Bills offense at this point. Yeah, so I have two statements for you. One, I'm buying Zay Jones in a lot of drafts right now, especially because of his ADP round 10 plus. Two, I'm starting to be a little afraid of LaShawn McCoy, not because I just like the individual talent, but just because, I mean, this entire offense is going to revolve around him. And if we know that, then obviously the opposing team knows that. It's a lot of unknown. And I had to ask myself, would I take LaShawn McCoy when I was doing rankings this past week? Would I take LaShawn McCoy in front of this guy? You know, would I take LaShawn McCoy in front of this guy? And I ended up moving him down wow. toward the back end of the first round. Uh, in both PPR and non-PPR. And that, you know, is something that I, I don't love doing because I love LaShawn McCoy. I love, love the fact that he plays with a dual-threat quarterback. I love his offensive line. You know, I love how many uh, the fact they that run the Bills, the how many times they run the football. I love the fact that they went out and signed Patrick DeMarco, uh, one of the best lead-blocking fullbacks in football. But I, I don't trust – the direction of the 2017 bills. I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to be a forward thinking organization and they're trying to build for the future. Is LaShawn McCoy part of that future? Is Jonathan Williams more a part of that future? Yeah. Are they going to look to trade LaShawn McCoy? Are they going to look to trade Tyrod Taylor? You know, it's just, it seems like a, a sinking ship. They have one of the toughest schedules in the league Anquan Bolden, you know, the consummate pro just retired. Uh, from the team, he was going to be a starter. He was running with the ones. Yeah, and so, and what's you know, also just, frustrating about that, Evan, is yeah. they play the Jets Week One. You know, so this is a team that, and I know the Jets defense consistently gets praise, but this is a team that Week One that many people were going to roster a bunch of Bills, and right now is like you said, a lot of questions, a lot of questions. Uh, let's go to another question: the Philadelphia Eagles running back. Uh, <laughs> uh, we know that they cut Ryan Matthews, that they signed LeGarrette Blunt. Evan, LeGarrette Blunt has looked like garbage, and maybe not all on him. You know, I, I think that the direction that they're running him in, they're, they're trying outside runs. But to me, what's more of an issue is that whenever LeGarrette Blunt faces upfield disruption before he reaches the line of scrimmage, his game diminishes instantly. They're not giving him this, the, the line of scrimmage. They're not giving him the second level. I think, and I think we can agree on this, LeGarrette Blunt is on that do-not-draft list right now. Pretty much. You know, right after the Eagles signed him, LeGarrette Blunt started going like in the fifth and sixth rounds. And I mean, we, we can both ag- we both agreed at that time and can still agree that that was a little bit ridiculous. Yes. Okay. But then he started to fall to like the eighth, ninth, tenth rounds. I started to draft him in best ball leagues because he's got touchdown upside, because his price was worth it, because the Eagles have a good offensive line, and I think the Eagles, I think the the direct the arrow is pointing up on the Eagles, just as a, a team in terms of scoring points this year. Uh, so I, you know, I I went on a. a a few weeks where I was drafting a lot of LeGarrette Blunt, and I mean I'm already regretting those draft picks. 
Uh, LeGarrette Blunt has never been effective outside of New England. He did have one year in Tampa Bay where he went over 1,000 yards, but he was super ineffective on the field in that uh, in that season. Uh, and if you like, I, if you just go and look at his his advanced metrics throughout his career, he's never been a positive, like a positive on the football field, except for when he's been in New England. Uh, last year, Legarrette Blunt ran behind a fullback on a league high 121 rushing attempts. The Eagles used a fullback on seven offensive snaps last year, <laughs> and they don't even have a fullback on their 2017 roster. Right. And I also think that this is going to be a three receiver shotgun offense. And we're going to see an awful lot of Darren Sproles. Like yeah. I think Darren Sproles might end up playing about 60, 65% of their offensive snaps this year. And then today, Josh, Jimmy Kemsky of Philly voice, one of the best writers on the Eagles beat. He suggested that Wendell Smallwood could usurp LeGarrette Blunt for the Eagles starting job. Wow. Interesting. I think that Darren Sproles might end up as the best value in any fantasy draft, and I absolutely love, and we've discussed this off the record, I I absolutely love that they're not playing him in the preseason because that just lowers his price and his value because he's not at the forefront of everyone's mind. And obviously, and I I know Reeves has discussed this in the past, but what, 80-90% of LeGarrette Blunt's points or something like that come when the Patriots were ahead in the scoreboard like we can expect you know the Patriots to be ahead of the scoreboard and even though if you have optimism regarding the Eagles we we can't expect the same thing for Philadelphia okay right we we don't think the Eagles are going 14 and 2 correct correct (laughs) do you have any interest in any Jacksonville Jaguar after the abomination that Blake Bortles displayed last week Uh, I did think Allen Robinson looked good he did drop a touchdown pass when Chad Chad Henney got in there but I thought I thought he did a pretty good job running routes. I thought he created some some pretty good separation. He showed run after catch. Um, for the most part, I thought that he looked good independently, but the quarterback situation was just just horrible. I mean, Allen Robinson was getting open, and Blake Bortles was sk- skipping passes to him or wildly overthrowing him. And Blake Bortles know, knows that he can't throw. You know, he gave Rich Gannon uh, a quote last year. Uh, and saying that I'm just a not not a natural thrower of the football. And Rich Gannon's response was, I have never heard a quarterback at any level say that they were not a natural thrower of the football. So at some point he heard that, he heard somebody say that about him, or maybe even a coach told him, and that stuck in his brain. And I think that his confidence is just totally shot. I think we're going to see either Chad Henney or, or uh, Brandon Allen uh, make a bunch of starts this season, and I hope for the Jaguars' sake that they look at a player like Tyrod Taylor because uh, I think he could add a lot to their offense. Uh, the Jaguars have a still have a very good cap situation, and they could certainly uh, fit Tyrod Taylor under their cap. I just don't know if Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone would really have have any interest in in a quarterback like Tyrod Taylor. But I think that he would be a great pickup for their offense. If it cost you two top ten round picks. Would you stack Doug Martin and Jacquez Rogers in redraft leagues? Yes. I, I, yes. I absolutely love that stack. I mean, it's very different than, you know, the Le'Veon Bell, D'Angelo Williams stack from last year that were, you know, two top six round picks. Um, but I think Doug Martin in like round five or round six, and then Quiz round nine or round ten. I, I absolutely love that combination because Doug Martin looks incredible. He does. I mean, his quickness has fully returned. We heard a lot of, uh, you know, fluff about how good of shape he was in this offseason, but he looks it 
on the field. I mean, he's out there making sharp cutback runs. He's been involved in the passing game. You know, when when Doug Martin is healthy, he's had a wild career because he's been a top 10 fantasy back twice. And then in his other three seasons, he hasn't even finished inside the top 50. Hmm. Um, but, and I mean, there, there is risk there with the suspension, but he's a guy that, you know, you should be certainly be willing and maybe even excited about to have on your bench. He should come back with fresh legs in week four. And I think that Jacquez Rogers is going to be a top 50, top 15 to top 20 running back play in each of those first three games. Again, against the Dolphins, they have some serious issues in terms of their run defense against the Bears, not really an imposing opponent. Uh, and then against the Vikings, Vikings were not great in run defense last year. That's not going to be a great matchup, I still don't think. But uh, they, you know, they were vulnerable in run defense last year. And I expect Jacquez Rogers to be a top 20 running back play entering that week. Speaking of the Vikings, is Dalvin Cook the correct choice as the first running back off the board? Oh, rookie uh, running back. I rookie think. running back. Yes. Yes, I would say so right now. I mean, I think it's still close between him and Fournette. Uh, and I think that, I mean, you can't argue against McCaffrey too strongly based on what he is, what we've seen from him so far. He has been electrifying. And then Joe Mixon, just because of the uncertainty of his role right now, he's progressively getting more and more first team run and you could tell that they're preparing him for that but how many touches is he going to get in week one you know and then it's just going to be dictated how how effective he is how how much veteran deference is the Bengals coaching staff going to give to Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard because you know Joe Mixon is not the starter yet and we haven't even seen Giovanni Bernard so Joe Mixon is a candidate for a pretty slow start Leonard Fournette, the foot injury is scary, and the state of the offense is scary. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, we, we expect Chris, uh, Jonathan Stewart to continue to be very involved. And then Dalvin Cook stands out. Right now is the cleanest pick among the rookies. Yep. Uh, I Which think is that a this is a fact. really underrated offense. I think that this is a really underrated offense. And by the way, they have one of the softest schedules in the league. Uh, according to Warren Sharp, who does our uh, strength of schedule articles, the Vikings have the fourth softest run defense schedule in football this year. And in a couple weeks, we'll have uh, Rich Rebar's 32 bowl predictions in 32 minutes. Uh, his Vikings bowl prediction might just feature Dalvin Cook in the passing game. Uh, and I think he'll be a very big feature of that passing game. Uh, finally, let's wrap it up with Cason Williams, who is a second-year player, undrafted free agent out of Washington, a local guy now with the Seahawks. I don't know if there's too much here to say because obviously none of us are going to draft him. But Evan, I, I think we need to call to attention his performance and the situation that he's in because the Seahawks are all about competition and that if someone looks this good – to me, they will try to find an area for him to play in. Yeah, and Cason Williams is not yet to the point, certainly, where you're trying to draft him in you know, an 18-round fantasy football league draft, but he's someone to start talking about because he's made a lot of plays this preseason. He Not only did he make a bunch of plays with Trevon Boykin in the preseason opener, but he got run with Russ in the second preseason game and continued to make plays. And the Seahawks involve four receivers. They are one of the teams in the league. The Panthers are also like this. The Saints, to a smaller extent, but they will use four receivers. They don't really treat their receivers as every down receivers, and they'll, they'll play four of them. And right now, I mean, I think that their four best options are, of course, Doug Baldwin, Paul Richardson, Tyler Lockett, and Cason Williams, yeah. and not Jermaine Curse. 
Cason Williams is an athletic Jermaine curse. And uh, Paul Richardson has been banged up since he entered the league. And the same is for Tyler Lockett. So Cason Williams could ascend quickly in theory right now. I think that he is the front runner to be the Seahawks. Number four, we will see what they do with Jermaine curse. You know, sometimes teams just love guys and, Jermaine Curse, I think he played at Washington. Uh, he's an undrafted guy. You Got know, a contract like, extension as well. Yes, yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But Gason Williams is a guy to add to the end of deep dynasty league rosters and start thinking about and talking about and monitoring. And let's see if he gets more first team run with the uh, with the Russell Wilson group in the regular season dress rehearsal next weekend. So that's it for part one. Um, if you enjoyed it, again, hit the subscribe button. We really appreciate it. Um, And check out part two, which comes out tomorrow. We'll talk Kareem Hunt. We'll say positive things about Cooper Cup for once. And obviously Jordan Reed coming off the pup list. There's plenty, plenty more out there. Um, Again, the Facebook Live, that is live, uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern on August 23rd, which is this Wednesday. Be sure to set your calendars. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, And again, we appreciate you checking out the Rotor World Football Podcast and be back for part two tomorrow. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.